Okay. Uh, welcome to back to the pot fort, Alice, <laughs> and to Snark Notes. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so formally welcoming you. Like this is my personal pot fort. And well, it is. You built it. Well, I, I just <laughs> I did. Um, I just lounged around. Yes, but so um, Alice and I were just discussing before we started recording that this is an episode that we've tried to record a few times. We recorded this originally oh, like a while ago when we're on a real Harry Potter. When are we not on a Harry, Harry Potter, Potter kick? kick. <laughs> we were like on a roll. And um, then, upon re-listening to it, Alice felt that she was unfairly harsh on... It wasn't just that I felt. It was that it was literally 45 minutes of me (laughs) railing against Severus Snape. Accurate. And then we tried to... We we tried to make some additions. um, Which I think helped measure it a little bit. Um... Then we put Draco Malfoy into the mix. So, and now we're just trying again because I felt it. Part of the rebranding is that we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be more fair to Severus Snape. We're, those are we're doing two things. We're we're casting within a pod fort, and we are gonna be nicer to Severus Snape. Yes. So we're calling this the uh, Slytherin villains episode, part one. Part one. <laughs> um. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Severus Snape, love him, hate him, hero, villain, um, and then we'll talk about everyone's fave, uh, Slytherin, Draco Malfoy. So, Alice, like, okay, so if you haven't ever read Harry Potter, let's just start there. So you haven't read Harry Potter. Um, Severus Snape is a teacher at the... At Hogwarts, the magical school that they go to, and let's just say that he's a perpetual red herring because Harry Potter is a dumbass. The darkest wizard of all time is like out specifically to get Harry Potter, and every school year something goes wrong, and this dumbass is like, I think it's Snape. Or <laughs> it's actually perfect that we're combining Snape and Draco Malfoy for a couple yeah. reasons because it's always Harry always thinks it's one or the other yes, of those two. It's one of the two, like. And even, like, other people are like, Harry, you're a fucking dumbass. It's not him. He's like, but it is. I I (laughs) love Hermione for many, many reasons. Uh, His best friend, who's, like, the smartest of them all. But one of the many reasons I love her is I think in the third book, she just flat out says, like, we always think it's Snape. It's not Snape. (laughs) We've learned. (laughs) Leave him alone. And Harry's like, never. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so sort of um, throughout the book, she's, like, this dark, mysterious character. Um, He's, like, kind of a dick to the students. He's head of Slytherin House, which is, like, the evil dark magic house. Um, There's, like, a rumor that he's always wanted to be the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, but he's, like, relegated to being the potions master. Yeah. Which he's somewhat salty about. Um, And he, by the end of the book, though, he sort of has this redemption arc like harry's also somewhat convinced the entire time that he's like still actively a death eater and still actively working to help voldemort um and there is a phase where it it seems like that and it he's the one that ends up killing dumbledore and it seems like he's on that side and then you basically find out in the last book spoiler alert (laughs) you already said the dumbledore died like Like, that um, Snape has been in love with Harry's mom since childhood, apparently, and, like, that's 
quote-unquote why he's always hated Harry because he like resents the fact that like Lily didn't love him back and he's just like the ultimate friend zone bro like he's mad that this girl didn't love him back and like chose to be with this other bro and like Harry is like the literal like outcome of the fact that she chose some to and be with someone looks, else. And he looks just like his father but he has his mother's yeah, eyes. <laughs> and like so that's why he's always been such a dick to Harry but that like he this whole time has been like a double agent um and he's been like spying on Voldemort and like reporting back to Dumbledore and the Order of the Phoenix um he's really on their side out of like loyalty or respect to Lily Potter yeah and that like it's sort of also somewhat implied that he only like fully became a Death Eater in the first place because he was like mad that... you're like making my case for me I love it <laughs> I love it I don't even have to get okay. salty this time so, around okay so the now that we've kind of summarized that the question is is Severus Snape a hero or is he still a villain yeah Alice your position <laughs> I think well here's the thing i think he is a hero but i also think he's a dick <laughs> here's the thing like his he's, name he's the classic dick hero yeah is that not a thing? that's not a literary term. yeah okay here's the thing snape gets a lot of love from the fandom for yeah. and like a lot of tears spilt over him and i cried during his flashback chapter in the final book like it was emotional yeah. but i think it comes with a lot of people that want to make him purely this like martyr do-gooder character right. when he's not because at the end of the day Snape is a little bit of that friend-zoned bro that took it way to the extreme but also my biggest point like I can girl, already hear myself getting angry a girl was nice to you once and then like was like yeah I just want to be your friend though and you were like I will become a dark <laughs> wizard like <laughs> As one does. <laughs> uh, but I will also love you forever. <laughs> she owes you anything because she's, like, nice yeah. to you this one time. Yeah. Like, but I also feel like you could also summarize Severus Snape by being, like, Severus Snape, professional dick to children. Yes. <laughs> I really, I really, I can already hear myself, like, getting all riled up like I did in the first iteration. But in terms of, like, is Snape a good person, the answer for me is a flat-out no, because bear in mind, these books begin when uh, the characters are 11 years old. And he's a dick to Harry, who is an orphaned child <laughs> who just came to Hogwarts. But worse than that, he's also horrible throughout the whole books to Neville Longbottom, who is one of my favorite characters. And you find out that... The reason he is so awful to Neville it really stems from this whole prophecy deal. So, not to get too into the weeds, but there's a prophecy that exists that says that there will be a kid born at the end of July whose parents have escaped the Dark Lord three times who will have the ability to end the Dark Lord. And it basically could apply to two kids, either Harry Potter or Neville Longbottom. Snape's the one who hears this prophecy, tells Voldemort, and then Voldemort decides that it means Harry Potter and decides to kill the Potters. And what does Snape do later in life? He decides to be a total jackass to Neville Longbottom. Oh, and it's also important to know that Neville Longbottom's parents have basically, like... Um, They've been tortured into insanity. Yeah, so they're, like, like he's grown up with his grandmother because his parents are, like, in perpetually in the hospital. Yeah, so... 
fast forward to like 11 years later, <laughs> Neville Longbottom shows up, a kid who doesn't have much magic because he's never really believed in himself, doesn't have many friends, super ner nervous, super awkward kid, and what does Severus Snape decide to do? Be a complete asshole to him at every single turn. Yeah, I think too, it's one of those where like, does he see a little bit too much of himself? I think potentially. Because he is an awkward boy that doesn't have a lot of friends, no. and that's who Severus Snape was. I think that's true. I also, I like that you bring that up because I also have a theory. He's also mean to uh, Ron and Hermione. Hermione. And I think part of it is because they're, you know, friends with Harry. But also I sometimes wonder if it's because when you combine those two people together, you kind of get Lily Evans because yeah. you have the redhead who's Ron. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Hermione who's like the muggle-born uh, brilliant, good-hearted one, and like if you combine those two people it's together, you kind of get Lily Evans. So just to just to like play devil's advocate, a few things to come to Snape's defense. Mm -hmm. One, as someone who works a lot with children, it is also really easy though to forget, like not to be like teachers or people too, <laughs> but like it is really easy to have these like unrealistic expectations of. Uh, people who work with kids, whether it's teachers or coaches or whoever, that like they're they're gonna be absolutely perfect and like who they are as a person isn't gonna come into play at all, yeah. and they're gonna have these perfect interactions. They're gonna be all things and exactly what every child needs, and that's just not accurate. Like you're still a person, you still have a personality, you're still not gonna get along with some kids yeah. and work better with other kids. So like to a certain degree, like is there ever gonna be a world where like like, does he handle it well? No. But is there ever going to be a world where James Potter and Lily Evans' kids walk, kid walks in the door and he's like, this is my guy, I'm going to be? Like, no. Totally <laughs> like, true and totally fair. But yeah. also, is there ever a moment in any of the books where he at all shows any sort of compassion well, that's going for... to that's where I was going to go. <laughs> so he is arguably... He always favors the Slytherins, the kids yes. in his own house, and he really heavily favors Draco Malfoy. And I think you could also make the argument that because he is playing double agent, does he go out of his way to appear to be mean to kids like Harry and Ron and Neville and kids that aren't within his house because he's trying to play this dark wizard it's possible. character. I don't think it totally excuses what he does, but I'm just saying that like it does does he excuse it to himself by being like, Well, I'm playing this side, so I have to like, you know, I have to pretend like I love Draco Malfoy yeah. and I care about him and I'm trying to help him and I have to be a dick to like Harry and his friends or whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's possible, but, like, yeah, I, as you kind of said earlier, I don't know that there's ever a world where he would come in and be, like, super chummy with them yeah. and it's like, oh, too bad I have to be, like, right. so mean to these kids now. <laughs> no, but I think, like, you could, like, use it to justify your behavior to yourself. Like, yes. his internal monologue is like, oh, well, like, I'm doing it because of this. Yeah. Like, but really just doesn't want to fucking yeah. deal with his own problems. No, and I, I do like Snape as a character in that, like, I find him really compelling. I love that there were seven books that went by and I never once guessed that he was in love with Lily Evans. But in retrospect, there are little things that make it make total sense. There's the fact... You kind of talk about this this fact that he's uh, everyone kind of is like oh he's always wanted to be the dark arts teacher and he never got it and I think that's true, 
But it, I think what's more true is there's this air of Snape didn't get everything he wanted in life, and people yeah. pick up on that. And, like, I think they always just attributed it to, like, oh, he didn't get to teach what he wanted to teach. And really, that's right. not it. There's this bigger thing. When, and then there are, like, little hints of, like, his past interactions with Lily and her sister when, that are kind of cool. Yeah, and so, like, one other dynamic that maybe makes him more human and maybe more likable is... In those same flashbacks where you see his relationship with Lily, you also see his interactions with Harry's dad, James. And in all fairness, Harry's dad is like a jackass. Huge dick to him. And even Harry is like, what the f- is like somewhat disillusioned with his own father from having watched those interactions and watch how like much his own dad bullied Snape. But I think if you're kind of the loner kid and you don't you don't have a lot of friends, is some of his obsession with like Lily Evans also an obsession with James Potter, where like James has all these friends, he's this like boisterous, fun loving, like everyone loves him kind of guy. And like is some of it that Snape is also jealous of like who James Potter is and wants to be. I think there are two separate Obsessions, or they yeah. began as two separate se- obsessions, but very quickly became the same. Became the same in a way that it was difficult to disentangle. Right, and like the whole, like the whole dark magic thing is a defense mechanism against. Yeah, like if you pretend like you're not into it and you're above it and you're better than it, then you don't have to admit that you're jealous or that that's what you want. And it's a place that he excels, you yeah. know, um, and like a place where he finds worth. In a in like the Slytherin community, and a, as a guy who never had a community, like that means something yeah. to him. So so basically, though, I guess like what like what it really comes down to is, at, by the end of the books, like Snape kind of like dies to try to help Harry and like protect good magic, if you will. Yeah. And do you think that that's does that make him a redeemable character? Does the fact that he's been that he does switch sides, even though it's after the fact, it's after he's already fucked over the Potters yeah. and they're already dead. That like, does it make? Does he redeem himself in any ways? Does it make all of the bad things that he's done okay? Or are it we, doesn't make all the bad things okay, but it does do a fair does amount it, to redeem. Does him. it make it worthwhile that Harry named his child after him? That is, I think, also where I struggle. Not only that he named his child Albus Severus, but when... Two of the bravest men my, I've ever known. That's the part where it's like, eh, yeah, this doesn't necessarily feel earned. One of my favorite Tumblr posts like mentions that like Ron Weasley is standing right next to him, yeah. and it's like, dude, like, I almost died for you also, like a million times. Also, his dad Arthur Weasley raised you like you were his own son. <laughs> but yeah, let's throw Severus in, into the mix. Um, that part, the naming thing, really doesn't feel earned. But yeah. there, were, there is some redemption. Is he fully redeemed? N- no. I don't think he has to be. I just think the more que- interesting questions around Snape have less to do with, is he a hero? Is he a villain? And it's more, why is he the way he is? Could he have been something different? What is the trajectory he could have had in a different situation? Yeah. And I think I get most angry 
it's not with my own personal reading of Snape, although I do get angry with his like treatment of Neville, for example, but it's with like the fandom that's willing to just gloss over the fact that he is a complicated character because I think yeah. that's what makes him great and to completely whitewash him and just be like, always, <laughs> all the freaking time is like missing what makes him a compelling and interesting character, although a character that for me, I find difficult to fully love. Yeah, but he's also an interesting foil to Dumbledore because, like, Dumbledore never fully trusts him. Dumbledore never, like, lets him be the defense teacher because he's like, you're an asshole and I don't trust you. And, like, like but, like, arguably Dumbledore has made larger mistakes in his, oh, like... Totally. Or at least equally large mistakes in his life. Well, and, but he plays the hero from the beginning. Well, and it might be be somewhat similar to what you were talking about with Snape and Neville, where it's like you dislike in others what you dislike right. in yourself. Right. And like I I I think the other thing that makes Snape like more complicated and we touched on this a little bit, but um his willingness to help Draco when Voldemort basically like assigns Draco to kill yeah. um Dumbledore. Um, which is like a pretty big task for someone who's 16. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like the fact that he's willing to make like an unbreakable vow, that like that is a big act to like try to like you're trying you know to help this kid. And there is a whole backstory of like Vold- Dumbledore knows he's doing it, and yeah. it's, you know it's not really out of like necessarily out of loyalty to Voldemort or to Draco and Draco's family, but it is like. I don't know, it is, some, it is in a way a nice thing, like you recognize that this is a child and you're like trying to... You realize you're for, you're too far gone to save, but right. this is a child I'm you could potentially save yeah. before he goes down the path that you went. Right. No, I think that's great. And I, on one hand, I want to say that's such a great time to transition to Draco. But before we do, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh, the late Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> who I I love. I a lot of my love for Alan Rickman, as much as I love him in Snape, actually goes back to Die Hard, which is my family's Christmas movie. He's amazing and, as Hans and Gruber. Sense and sensibility. And sense and sensibility, which I have a theory that is almost certainly wrong. Not <laughs> shout out to Alan Rickman in Love Actually, where he is also a dick. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Anti shout out. Anti shout out there. But I have a theory that is almost certainly wrong that um J.K. Rowling may have cast Alan Rickman to play Snape in part because the character of Colonel Brandon has some yeah. similarities where he is always always been in love with a girl who passed away that he never got to be in a relationship yeah. with and he plays that role with such heart. I think that's me <laughs> really overthinking things. But the reality is that Alan Rickman does have a strong history of always of playing villains or shady characters but bringing heart to every single role. Well, and he's a rare exception where a lot of there are I think that's part of why in you know popular like in the fandom people are so attached to Snape is like less to do with the the book character of Snape and more to do with Alan Rickman. And that's something I can 100% get. And behind. I think he's a rare like exception to the rule because typically with the movies people have been really critical of like the way the characters have been depicted or um you know like ron is basically like not even a character in the movies like as great as rupert grint is um they really like didn't give him any material to work with um but like they like alan rickman really 
makes you want to like Snape. Yeah, and he brings so much heart and so much humor to the role too. Yeah. And I mean, he's known so much for like his voice acting. Yeah. But um, some of his physicality is just amazing. Yeah. Um, there's this one scene that I will always think of when I think of Alan Rickman he playing pulls Snape. Pulls up his sleeves yeah. and then he bangs Harry and Ron's heads together. <laughs> exactly. And it's it's in the fourth book, and there's no. There's he doesn't say anything the whole scene, and it's actually one of the few places where you feel like maybe he has like a little bit of affection or like it, like rolling his eyes affection for these like doofuses, right. and that's something that you can convey in acting that J.K. Rowling can never convey in writing yeah. because it would tip the hand a little bit too much. And Alan Rickman, I think, always does a really fine line. Of in his acting, where like you always feel like there's more below the surface, and sometimes he'll show you, and sometimes he won't. Yeah. And I, I just he was one of my favorite actors of all time, and I just wanted to give him his due <laughs> before we move on to Draco Give Malfoy. him a shout out. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. So, yeah. So to segue, so just segue from from Snape. To Draco Malfoy, I am a really firm believer that Severus Snape got the redemption arc that Draco Malfoy deserved. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> um, so, just to backpedal a little bit, um, Draco Malfoy is um, Harry's arch nemesis. Despite <laughs> the fact that the literal darkest wizard of all time is like out to murder him, he's always like, my arch nemesis. <laughs> but that's why... Like, it actually makes sense that he would feel that way, because at the end of the day, love love him, but Harry Potter is a teenage boy, and he's a little bit of a dumbass. Yeah, like, Draco is, um, he's another boy in Harry's class. He probably would have been the coolest, most exciting boy in his grade, because he's, like, wealthy, he's got, like, this whole slick back hair going thing going on. Um... He's, like, pretty chill, but, like, it kind of gets ruined by the fact that he, like, unfortunately has to be in the same grade as Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Harry very quickly, um, like, there's this whole scene in their first year where he, like, extends his hand to, like, be friends with Harry, and Harry rejects him. <laughs> um, which I, like, firmly believe is, like, why Draco continues to be so salty for the rest of forever because of I that one time be. when he was, like, uh, like, I can show you the right sort of wizard to be friends with. And Harry's, like, I think I can tell the wrong sword for myself. Thank you. And, like, doesn't shake his hand. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, yeah, so he's, like, just another boy in Harry's class. He's, like, kind of a bully. He says a lot of dumb shit. He's, like, that kid in your grade whose, like, parents are rich, so he, like, spends a lot of time bragging and, like, trying to make his life sound a lot cooler than it is. And he, he can get away with a lot of shit because and of yeah, it, too. Anything, anytime anything goes wrong, he'd be like, my father, father will, will hear, hear about, about this. this. <laughs> yeah. And then his dad will, like, swoop in and, like, do something dumb. But, like, um, yeah, I mean... I guess, like, just because of, like, where you and I grew up, uh, just to make a shout-out to our town, like, it felt like every kind of, like, douchebag boy that we went to high school with. Like, it wasn't, like, he just doesn't feel to me like, like, he's just, like, a dick of a kid. (laughs) No, that's why he felt like a real character. It was, like, immediately, it was like, oh, I know this character. Yeah, and, like, he's, like, kind of a dick, and, like, he's not necessarily someone you want to be friends with, but, like... And as far as, like, villains in the story go, that's why it's laughable that Harry considers him his arch nemesis because he's, like, (laughs) not even remotely. And I guess I just feel like 
the context that gets like missed or overlooked a lot is like while all of this is happening harry and draco and all of their friends are literal children so it like yes like draco becomes a death eater he's like into dark magic he's a slytherin um but i i guess i just feel like a lot of that is circumstance and like who his parents are, how he's been brought up. Yeah, and, and like, actually comes out of, like, love for his parents. Right. Like, the weirdest thing about the Malfoys to, to me is the fact that there is, like, some genuine right. love there. They're, um, I was going to call it white nationalism. That's incorrect. They're, <laughs> but also not wrong. Their dark magic form of white nationalism really seems to come from, like, a place of self-preservation. Yeah. In a way, not that I respect, but I guess that you, like, understand. Like, it seems to come from a place of, like, wanting to protect themselves and their best interests. Yeah. It's still awful, It's but... still terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I think one thing that happens to Draco, um, so he, in the sixth book, um, Voldemort is, like, on the rise and uh, basically, like, assigns Draco the, like, job of finding a way to get Death Eaters into Hogwarts and then ultimately killing Dumbledore, which is a huge, unrealistic task for a 16 year old and is basically done in retaliation for like acts of disloyalty that Voldemort feels uh, Draco's father has performed. Or just like failure to live up to yes. his expectations. Right, which is like totally, like, again, he's a child. Like, it's like, I'm mean, gonna like Voldemort, but like, it's it's crazy to like be like so the retaliation is that like i'm gonna make your 16 year old son do all of this like intense shit and so like it it can be argued that like draco chooses like and like he brags to his friends about how he's like a death eater or like whatever but like it's all sort of like in this schoolboy way of like you also see him be really genuinely afraid and have a really difficult time with having to handle that situation and having to figure out how to get someone in and how you know how to kill Dumbledore and like he's ultimately unsuccessful because he also it the sixth book ends with this confrontation um with him and Dumbledore and he can't do it like he ultimately can't pull the trigger so to speak and lower he lowers his wand a fraction of an inch he can't do it like he can't kill Dumbledore and so it, it it's it's almost like their their whole like thing with Voldemort is like somewhat performative. Like it's, it, it everything about Draco is very performative. <laughs> Not somewhat like it's all an act, right? It's all yeah. a schoolboy. Like I want you to think I'm cool. I want you to think I'm a dark wizard. I want you to think I'm a Death Eater. I want you to think I'm this edgy like adult person. But like when he actually comes face to face with it. It's not what he actually wants, or yeah. it's not it's not something he's actually chosen. It's like this position that he's been put in because of who his parents are, and he like play acts at going along with it. But I think that's when it becomes real for him, and he's like, "Holy shit! Like well, I can't actually kill a person." Or <laughs> and it's interesting too because I think, as you said, he's always been real salty about Harry Potter and like all the trappings of fame that Harry and privilege yeah. that Harry gets because he's the chosen one. But then when Draco is put in a position where he is chosen to, like, yeah. you know, kind of be, like, a chosen one, not the chosen one, but a chosen one to kill Dumbledore, and he realizes, 
like how difficult it is to be chosen for a difficult task and to that yeah. you and that you can't get out of it. It's it's a weird case of what happens when you get some form of what you thought you always wanted. Right. Like when he when he actually got the responsibilities of being chosen to do something difficult, he realized, oh shit. This is not what I want. This is not what I want. <laughs> and I think I think there's like three things that make me wish that like he had gotten a little bit more redemption at the end um the first one is like is easily to gloss over and i feel like people forget about it but like harry full-on attacked him um in a bathroom at one point and, like, <laughs> that's right when he was crying yes he's like crying draco is crying in the bathroom because he's stressed out about how is he gonna get death eaters and he's he thinks he's gonna ultimately fail at getting Death Eaters into Hogwarts and killing uh, Dumbledore. And so he's, like, crying in a bathroom, and Harry, like, approaches him and is like, ha I've got you! And, like, performs, like, a terrible spell on him that he doesn't actually know what it's gonna do, and he, like, almost fucking bleeds to death. And Harry's like, whoops, my bad! <laughs> like, and I just feel like... It really, like, got kind of glossed over because, like, we're so used to Harry being the good guy and Draco being the bad guy that he was like, oh, that was my bad. And, like, he doesn't really ever, like, apologize to Draco or, like, like on the scale of the things that they've done to each other, like, that's definitely way worse than anything Draco has ever done to Well, Harry. especially at that point. He definitely hasn't, like, specific to Harry, like, he hasn't done anything no. on that level to Harry. No. Ever. So, like, there's that. And, like, Harry full-on almost kills him. And then, second of all, because he's, like, a dumbass that's like, I'm going to use this spell from a book that I don't know what it is. I'm going to find out right now. And, like... Oh, great. There's blood everywhere. Whoops. My bad. Um, and then, second of all... So in the in the last book, so basically, um, unfortunately for Draco and his family, Voldemort like moves into their fucking house. Oh, that's right. Like his headquarters. Um, and so there's a few scenes in the last book where you can kind of tell that Draco's obviously very uncomfortable with like ooh, this person, man, guy being in. I don't know, know if Voldemort's a, a man, snake but, baby. Yeah, thing. this evil guy like being in his house and like at the very beginning. They describe a scene of uh, Voldemort talking to all of his followers, like, um, it, you know, in at, at Malfoy Manor, and like suspended in the air above them is um, this teacher, Charity Burbage, um, from Hogwarts, um, and like they describe like Draco's like trying not to look at her trying like he's obviously very uncomfortable with like this woman that he but he's also the only one that looks at her like, right no like, one else like yeah really... like he's obviously like holy fuck like this is a real person that I know that I'm about to watch him torture and kill and like it's like obviously having he's not excited about it he's lost that schoolboy. like this is fun and i'm a dark wizard and aren't yeah. you impressed kind of vibe and he, it's like become real for him and he's like holy shit i like might not be on board with what's going on here and then um there's a much later a scene where harry hermione and ron get captured and they get brought to malfoy manor and they intentionally hermione like fucks up uh, harry's face in the hopes that they won't be able to recognize him and there's a scene where um, like, 
Malfoy's parents are like is it like they know like obviously Draco knows what Harry Potter looks like they've gone to school together for yeah. all these years and they're like pushing him towards Harry and they're like is it him is it him and he's like right up in his face and he's like I can't tell like he very clearly like knows that it's Harry but like chooses to pretend like yeah. he doesn't know who there's it is no, there's no world where you find Hermione Granger Ron Weasley and a guy who looks like he could be Harry Potter with a fucked up face with a fucked up face where it isn't Harry Potter. Right, and he chooses to pretend like he doesn't know who it is in a way that, like, you know, like, fake... I'm so cool. Draco Malfoy would have been like, oh, fuck yeah, it's him for sure. Like, he's like, no, I can't tell. I don't know. Like, he kind of protects Harry in that moment. Yeah, it's and, a case where he wouldn't, he literally wouldn't wish Voldemort on his biggest enemy. Right. And so, like, there's, like, going from, like, uh, like literally also remember again that at one point Harry almost fucking killed him. <laughs> and that was arguably one of their last interactions yeah, before Before this he incident. chooses to save Harry's life by pretending like he doesn't know who it is and then um i mean there is like then you know like there is the whole scene at the end where they're in the room of requirement and the like fiend fire comes for everybody and harry like contemplates potentially just leaving malfoy there (laughs) and then ultimately is like but i'm the good guy so he like saves him um and like I guess for some people they're like oh it like balances it out right that like now he's saved I think it kind of does I think it kind of does but it like my bigger issue with that scene is that it happened at all because I think I think Draco's trajectory in the seventh book it's subtle but and I guess maybe it's not even a trajectory but the fact that you have that at Malfoy Manor you see these scenes of of him being the reluctant Death Eater so I would have loved a situation where he wasn't fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts yes thank you and so like I actually think if you remove that scene the Room of Requirement then his redemption arc actually is kind of there yeah or at least like he's there because he's like obligated to like pretend like he's yeah fighting but but he's not trying to actually burn shit and and, like i i guess exactly and then i guess on top of that i just wish that like after like like it's kind of harry saves him and then he gets off harry's broomstick and they're like okay bye and like that's that's it like that's all like it's in his defense though what else are you gonna say well i guess maybe just like some recognition of like even if it's just like an internal monologue of Harry being like, and then I realized that he's just another kid swept up in this war and like, he's not the villain that I've always made. I don't know. I guess I just wanted there to be a moment of recognition. It's not not vocalized, but I feel like it's there. I just just wanted it, is what I'm saying. Like, I just, I wanted it to be vocal. Like, I feel like it's unfair that we got this very, we got an entire chapter dedicated to explaining to you why Snape isn't a shit person, and the most we could do was, like, a vague, like, implication that Draco's not a shitty person. Like, at least give him a paragraph. Well, and that's actually why, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it would actually be kind of cool, and J.K. Rowling is always adding new books that like aren't really new books so maybe she'll do this but I think it would actually be kind of cool to have a book that's about the seventh year at Hogwarts which is a year where Ron, Hermione, and um, Harry are on the lam and aren't at Hogwarts where it looks at 
and follows the point of view of the characters who stayed at Hogwarts right. and have like a like couple Draco's chapters. There, Neville is there. Yeah, Neville steps up and becomes this badass leader. Like if you could do a couple chapters from Snape's perspective, potentially McGonagall's. Really though, I think it would be Neville and Draco who would be most compelling. Ginny Weasley, Luna Lovegood, Dean Thomas potentially. Yeah. Like I think that's an interesting story, and I think. Draco would be one of the more interesting people to right. find that like inner monologue and see where he's falling. Right. And I, I yeah, I guess I just think I think we have I guess where I, I get stuck on it is like he it, he is this great foil to Harry where he is another kid that gets chosen for a task that's somewhat insurmountable and then you know he ultimately like fails at it and um, where Harry succeeds, and I just feel like we have a lot of sympathy for Harry. We have a lot of forgiveness for when he makes mistakes. And we have a lot of forgiveness for Snape as well. We have a lot of forgiveness for Snape, and I feel like Draco is still cast as this, like, terrible, snitty little boy that's just, like, has no redeemable qualities, and uh, I just... I just wanted more for him, I guess. I just wanted some recognition that, like, this is another boy who is a victim of this yeah. war who has had to do things that no child should have to do yeah. because of the environment it's, that he's in. It's funny. I wouldn't... I differ from you in that, like, I don't necessarily need more from yeah. him, but I do... I think we're on the same page where we both need less. <laughs> we need less of him fighting in the Battle of Hogwarts. Yes. Like, that's the one thing that I think I feel like there is some really great uh, legwork that's being done that gets overshadowed yeah. by, like, what I, what you remember most from that seventh book is, yeah. like, him fighting in the or, Battle of Hogwarts. Or I want it to be him and not his mom who leans over Harry oh. at the end when they're like, is he dead? And it's it's so at the end the one of the final scenes, Harry basically surrenders himself to Voldemort and like walks to his own death. And they think that they've like killed him in one of his first like he basically is like dead for a little bit. He talks to Dumbledore, it's weird. <laughs> he comes back and his first like scene upon coming back is Narcissa Malfoy, Draco's mom, leaning over him and like Voldemort is like, Is he dead? Is he dead? And even though she can tell that he's obviously like breathing a little bit, she's like, Yeah <laughs> And I guess in my ideal world it's Draco that does that instead because then it's a third like it's a third time where yeah. he's He's chosen Harry's side just a little, yeah, like just enough that you're. No, and, and Narcissa does it because she wants the battle to end because she wants Dr Draco to be okay and her yeah. family to get reunited. Yeah. But in a situation where we're Draco, it would be like he wants the whole thing to end. Right, but that's if... why I wanted it to be Draco instead because I feel like if it was Draco, there would at least be the question of like, does he have some, not even loyalty to Harry, but like. Does he, like, have a similar understanding that Harry does that, like... This isn't what this Hogwarts should be. And this isn't what either of or us... Or the world of magic should yeah, be. Yeah, and this isn't what either of us should be going through at this point in our lives. I actually really like that idea a lot. Um, yeah. 
it's a little yeah (laughs) i didn't mean to say actually like uh, um the one problem i think is it's a little too similar to him also looking and being like oh i don't know if it's harry but maybe that's a good symmetry because then it's like oh no it's not harry oh yes like harry's dead maybe i want it yeah because because and then it reminds you of that time and it reminds you of the three or four times in in the book when he hesitates he's hesitated where he has he has made a distinct choice to to not be on his his yeah. own side and to not root for his own people, yeah. quote unquote. And yeah, where he hesitates yeah. and where he makes a different choice. I guess I just think like like the other thing that makes me mad about Snape's redemption arc is like then he dies, like it's over. So like. It's easier to give people redemption when right. they're no longer in the picture. Like, Draco Malfoy, like, literally this happens and he's, like, 17. Like, he has a whole life to live. So, like, I just want confirmation that, like, we're all on the same page that, like, he deserves a second chance. Yeah. I will say uh, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, and one of the reasons that I'm okay with him not getting a huge redemption arc um, is that I feel like his biggest redemption arc is his son, Scorpius. True. Um, as awful as Cursed Child is, go back to the first season <laughs> we talk about in in depth, um, Cursed Child gave us the wonderful character of uh, Scorpius Malfoy, who's um, Malfoy's son, and he's Slytherin, and he's Albus Severus's best friend, and he's just such a lovely cinnamon roll of a boy. <laughs> um, and he's everything. And that even that friendship with Albus is kind of like, the friendship that Draco and Harry never had. Two things. Two things. I should that. have said friendship in quotation marks. <laughs> Two, things. Two things. One, I wish that it didn't take J.K. Rowling making a shitty additional <laughs> screen pe- play several years later. I agree with you that in some ways Scorpius is Draco's redemption, but he is only very vaguely mentioned in the actual Harry Potter series in the epilogue. He, it's like, oh, and also... Yeah, and he's pla- not mentioned as a as a good or bad character. Right, he's, he's just, just like, a- sh- given a shout-out. So, like, I want, like, if that's going to be true, I need that more of, I need more of that explanation in the actual series. Which is fair. Which is fair. Second of all, they're a couple. (laughs) If you're gonna (laughs) try to make it up to me that you didn't have a redemption arc for Draco in the actual Harry Potter series by making Cursed Child do it fucking right. Like, don't don't fuck around with this. They're best friends. He's in, in love with Rose Granger Weasley bullshit because no son of Draco Malfoy's is going to be in love with fucking Hermione Granger's daughter. <laughs> I mean, that one I might push back on, but Scorpius is obviously in love with Albus, and that's that I will say firmly. I think this is another case. I feel like I've plugged this before. If you're feeling salty about Cursed Child or Draco Malfoy's redemption arc in general, I highly recommend that you check out uh, Carry On by uh, Rainbow Rowell because it will address a lot of the issues you have. It is basically like fan fiction for Imagine a World where... Uh, Draco and Harry were roommates and then ultimately become lovers. lovers. (laughs) (laughs) But also, the Draco counterpart gets a redemption arc. Accurate. It's like a romance redemption arc. Coming of age It It was great. Yeah, it's it's a good... It's an easy It was my college cleanser after uh, Cursed Child. 
Um, well, so this in is, conclusion, in conclusion, <laughs> this is giving me a lot of food for thought. I have a lot of feelings about Draco Malfoy. <laughs> a lot of feelings. I feel like we've now, between this and the three iterations of this beforehand, hopefully exhausted yeah. this topic. I mean, just to bring it full snorkel back to Snape, though, like, again, he's a man. What? Like, forget him. Like, <laughs> give Draco what he deserves. <laughs> he's an old man. Draco is a young, is a young boy. Are you even saying that? Uh, I just feel like at this point we've probably spent five hours of our life easily talking about these same points over and over. Is it enough time though, Alice? Probably not. Well, thank you guys for listening. Okay. Um, yes, subscribe if you also care deeply about Draco Malfoy's redemption arc. If you don't, um, we'll fight about it. <laughs> I will fight you. And, um, like, follow our Instagram and all those podcast things that people do. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye.